Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today it's me and I'm talking about the seduction of the January detox. So you might well relate to this. You may be feeling quite stuffed. You may feel that you've overeaten over Christmas. You may be feeling that you haven't moved as much as you would normally. And you might be just feeling incredibly seduced by all these different messages that we're getting about kind of January diets, detoxes, wellness plans. And it can be very, very, very tempting particularly after Christmas when we're kind of feeling in this slump and we're kind of ready almost for a bit of a revamp, a reboot, starting afresh. And you may as well have found that you've done a lot of these diets before on your kind of journey in your relationship with food. And, you know, for many people, I think dieting can become a bit like a sort of comforting old friend. Um, they return to diets again and again. It's kind of weaved into the fabric of life and it almost becomes normal and something that they wouldn't even question. Now, I guess as well we know with the dieting, particularly January diets, they can start off superbly well, you know, with the hope and promise of that shiny new year and all its expectations. But very quickly, the dark nights, the freezing cold weather, plus throw a global pandemic this year, into the mix and it's not surprising really that motivation and resolve to follow these extreme diets can wear extremely thin and february often arrives as the backlash month where all foods deprived are welcomed with open arms and then devoured with carefree abandon and valentine's day can often signify the day where the diet is completely dead and buried beyond recognition under a box of your favorite chocolates So you might be listening to this and almost kind of sighing at, you know, reflecting on these previous kind of January diets. And you might be thinking as well, you know, I really don't want to repeat this old pattern. I don't want to go down this same route again and again because I'm just fed up with it. You might really want to have a happy and sustainable relationship with food, where your weight's stable, where food is nourishment. But... Dieting can still feel so right and can be so seductive in calling you back. So why is this? You know, why are we lured down this path again and again when we kind of know rationally that it's not going to lead us anywhere? Now, I think for many people, dieting almost becomes a bit of a hobby. (laughs) You know, it becomes something that gives purpose. It gives identity. So you may be someone listening who has been on and off diets for as long as you can remember. So you're always kind of either on the diet or you're off the diet. And if you're off the diet, you're plotting and planning your next one. And although this is quite an uncomfortable mood roller coaster of sorts, giving catastrophic lows with those intermittent fleeting highs when it's all going well, um, this way of living has kind of defined you. Um, It might just kind of feel like this is what I do. And maybe it offers you a structure and purpose to the fabric of daily life. 
and it's become a way of bonding with others as well. You know, I think for some people as well, kind of going along to slimming clubs, talking about dieting, it's a way of feeling connected with other people. And in terms of the identity bit, you might be known as the one that's kind of a bit weird with food or that's like super healthy or the one that doesn't eat cake in the office or the one that's the really fit kind of gym bunny. And you might as well, although part of you might not like those kind of pigeonholing labels of defining you in that way, they may also have become, you know, part of your identity and a way that you kind of feel safe and you don't really want to kind of give that up. You know, who would you be if you hadn't got that identity? So being anti-diet as well or not following diets can sort of make everything feel a bit wishy-washy and less defined. Whereas like when you've got the diet, it's kind of like purpose, intention, achievement. It's something that really gives you that direct focus. So that is a really big pull, the purpose and identity side of things. Number two, the mindset hangover. So when food has become associated with skyrocketing levels of guilt, which are really better matched to someone committing murder rather than eating, it's really quite hard to shake this off quickly because I think that guilt feels really, really real and it's become a very black and white way of thinking. So you might kind of think, you know, I'm guilty, I'm a greedy person for eating this or the alternative kind of white side of it or I'm a saint for drinking my green juice or I'm so good at keeping to this diet or the alternative you know I've completely fallen off the wagon and failed as a human being so you can see it's kind of quite extreme because when we are embedded in diet culture we tend to think in quite black and white ways you know you're either following the rules or you're not and these thought patterns as well are really strongly wired in your brain because you probably built them up after years of repetition. So not surprisingly as well that dichotomous thinking patterns do take time to blur towards any kind of helpful shades of grey and you're going to likely need to proactively practice the mindset work around food to find the grey area in the pl- in the first place. Um, and that can feel really hard because in a way, in some respects, when you're following a diet and everything is black and white, you kind of either know it, it simplifies things because you either feel like I'm, I'm winning or I'm losing. Whereas in a way, when you're trying to find that kind of healthy, sustainable middle ground in your relationship with food, um, it's much less defined and that can feel as well quite unsafe. Um, and you start to have to, rely, have to start to rely a lot more as well on self-trust. And that can feel really, really daunting because maybe you haven't really trusted yourself for a long time in terms of being able to make wise decisions around food and your body. And I know as well, it took me a long time to really let go of that black and white thinking. It was quite a gradual, messy process. And yeah, it's only probably in the last, I say sort of five to 10 years where I've really felt in a much more relaxed place where I can really genuinely almost eat anything. Well, yeah, pretty much anything and not feel that guilt. But definitely in the early stages of recovery from my eating disorder, Um, the guilt would rear its ugly head quite regularly and I would have to kind of, you know, really learn to deal with that and work on my mindset. The third thing is time. Now, the thing is with diets, they always promise a lovely quick fix, don't they? Because, you know, you're kind of on the 30-day plan or the 
I don't know, it tends to be a kind of short period of time, doesn't it? Whereas in reality, when you're working on a relationship with food, it's a long game. And it probably took you several months or probably years to immerse yourself in the grimy depths of diet culture. And then you've been unconsciously and consistently reinforcing the beliefs, behaviours and thinking that have kind of seen dieting as good. So alas, this can't be reversed immediately. So in a way as well, you've really got to embrace the long game and not be put off by the fact that you're not going to get like a 30-day blitz on changing your relationship with food and letting go of diet culture. Um, And I think getting your head around that as well is quite tricky because in our quick fix society, we don't want a long game. We want something that's going to wave a magic wand and make it all better. And because working on a relationship with food is quite a hard task, especially to begin with, it can just feel like, oh, this is too much. I'm going to go back to dieting. So number four, another thing that can lead you back down this road is that you've forgotten the costs of dieting. Now, I think when you think about going on a diet or a fresh diet, you tend to think about the kind of the happy motivating early days when you're in that honeymoon place where you feel like you're following your rules and everything is hunky-dory and you're suddenly kind of feeling super healthy and that you've found the diet that's going to fix everything once and for all and everything feels amazing but of course once you get through those first few days um, things start to change and these are some of the things that you may well remember So dieting makes you really preoccupied with food 24-7. Now, if you have anorexia nervosa, you're probably thinking about food for 80 to 90% of your day. And that is not specifically always just thinking just about food, but it's all about all the behaviours and rituals and things that go with the eating disorder. So if you're not actually thinking about food itself, you're probably thinking about burning off food, you're thinking about exercise, you're thinking about how you're going to manage a certain situation to avoid food, etc, etc. So, and I guess anyone that's dieting, you know, you're going to be thinking about food way more than normal. So obviously in anorexia nervosa, when someone is in extreme state of starvation, it's 80-90% of your thoughts, but you can see it's a spectrum. So If somebody is even coming at a diet and they start off in a place where they're overweight, if the degree of deprivation is severe, they're going to still have a massive preoccupation with food. So when you're preoccupied with food as well, um, you're just thinking about it all the time. You know, you'll notice if someone's left left something on their plate. You'll notice the smell of food wafting down the hall. You'll dream about biscuits and wake up in a panic because you think you've overeaten on them. And you can't really engage with life because of when you're always thinking about food or thinking about things around food, you're kind of in a bubble of preoccupation and you're quite detached from the world. So you're not really properly engaging because you're kind of constantly distracted with this kind of hunger or thoughts about food. So I've said as well, the early stage of the diet is a glorious honeymoon. A few days or weeks in though, and you're scrabbling to kind of get that back. But I think this is the tricky thing because I think the early honeymoon bit can be incredibly seductive and it's the bit that you can get drawn back to. Whereas actually when you look at dieting in a very kind of rational, objective way, you can kind of see that for so much of the time you're not in that honeymoon place at all. You're actually in a pretty negative place with food. But that 
those early days can be extremely seductive. So that wonderful self-control of munching on vegetables and eliminating carbs, those memories are, you know, fleeting. And guess what? It's not your fault because your body is hungry. And those types of plans were never going to be sustainable anyway. You know, you're a bit stuck really because of, as we know from the Minnesota starvation experiment, no human being can go on a really strict diet without having lots of symptoms which are associated with starvation. So you it's not your fault really if you're going on a diet and then you're not able to stick to it. What about mood as well? I mean, dieting makes you really hangry, doesn't it? And it can be the subtle low-level irritation when someone's breathing is grating on your nerves. And um, I think I even remember a client saying to me once of just kind of hearing somebody coming home and the key clicking in the door was enough to just make her really, really angry and frustrated. Um, your mood really drops, you feel really low, your energy levels hit rock bottom. Anxiety goes through the roof as your brain really struggles because it's in a starved state and your thinking becomes so rigid and um, you can get stuck in just horrible routines which are kind of endless and exhausting. So everything becomes around rules and control and the world is so black and white. And people say that weight loss is meant to boost self-esteem. I mean, I think all those impacts on your mood do not help with self-esteem. It's not as though you're feeling really, really great. You may get an odd fleeting moment of feeling great but actually if you're looking if you did a pie chart of your mood over 24 hours you probably see that you were very anxious and low in mood for a lot of the time and then the next thing guilt and self-loathing because when you judge your ability to stick to a diet or lose weight all on your worth then you're on a slippery slope of self-destruction because it's almost impossible to win as the goalposts are always moving. Nothing ever really feels good enough. You feel guilty all the time for breaking your rules and you feel out of control and at sea. And I think it's just a really horrible thing about dieting because I think people often think, oh, when I just get to this weight or when I achieve this, then I'll be happy. But it doesn't really work like that. Nothing ever feels good enough. And when you kind of pass one sort of um, finish line then it's just moved and everything becomes stricter and harder and more difficult and another thing dieting doesn't automatically equal health you know diet culture will persuade you that restriction is good at all costs but severe dieting it impacts fertility immunity and bone health you feel the cold skin becomes dry and hair can fall out you're also at very high risk of developing disordered eating behaviours such as binge eating or purging when you engage in very restricted behaviours. And I think the worst thing is with all of this dieting is that you can't trust your body anymore because of you start ignoring your hunger signals, you start ignoring your fullness cues, you start to have really enormous urges to overeat because of you're in a starved state and you start to just not trust yourself around food. And I think this extends to all areas of your life as well. You start to trust yourself to make decisions and to just kind of take care of yourself. So it's incredibly damaging. So what's the alternative, hey? You know, we're talking about don't diet, not not doing the January detoxes, etc. Now, the alternative is really looking at the bigger picture. 
you know, thinking about really, you know, what is important to you here? What's your values? You know, where do you want to be when you're looking on your deathbed, back at your life when you're 90 years old? What's going to be really important to you? What is going to stand out in your life? What are your nearest and deepest values? Because so often when we've become so focused on dieting, Um, we can start to think that just being a size X is everything in life, when really when we take a step back, it's not. So the alternative as well is starting to work with your body, you know, to start to go back to basics, to listen to hunger, to listen to fullness cues, to allow your body to be at at its natural set point, you know, rather than always trying to fight it by trying to shrink it to make it smaller. And, you know, and it's actually kind of that set point place where your body is happy is a much more peaceful place because then you don't have all the preoccupation with food you don't have to think about food all the time it's kind of just like in the background a bit like you're breathing you don't have to kind of be constantly analyzing counting engaging with it all because of it's just you just it's just taking care of itself much more it's about rejecting diet culture and actually really questioning, you know, these extreme kind of views that we take on board, that we need to be smaller and shrink our bodies and that we need to conform to a certain aesthetic. And it's about starting to question that and just thinking, really, is that, you know, is that really what we want? Is that really what is best for us and our mental well-being? It's about exercising for the joy of movement. It's about creating body respect. Is about allowing in our forbidden foods, but then they're not forbidden foods anymore because they're just part of our normal eating pattern. And then they're not special, they're not seductive anymore, and they lose their kind of appeal that we have to kind of eat tons and tons of them in one go. It's about engaging with your emotions. So, of course, some emotional eating is part of life, but you don't always want to be soothing yourself with food for every emotion. You want to be able to kind of learn to soothe yourself in different ways. And it's about creating a mindset where you are kind and positive towards yourself, where you can really be your encourager and lift yourself up. It's about boosting self-esteem. And again, you know, coming back to your values, living a value-driven life where you are focusing on the things that are really important to you. So if you like the sound of all of that and you are keen to find out a bit more, I've got a free course available and um, which you can find the link at the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk as my new website. And I'll also put it in the show notes below. But it goes to my new free course, Steps to Intuitive Eating, Finding Your Food Freedom. So it's a free course where you can just um, have a look and see if intuitive eating principles might work for you. Find out a bit more about it. You know, dip your toe in um, before you commit to anything else. Okay, if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And I would be so grateful if you would rate and review this episode if you have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for that. So... I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon and I wish you all a peaceful new year and thank you for all your support this year.